This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. So how's it going? Well, it's September 1st. Wake me up when September ends. Well, it's just barely starting. So everyone's like, let's do fall shit. And I'm like, it's still too hot to put on clothes. So let's not do anything. Right? It is not pumpkin spice season (laughs) if I still sweat by just looking outside. Yeah, exactly. And I'm also still car shopping, which is like living in a nightmare. Um, Yes, it's like perpetual Groundhog Day. It's horrible. I couldn't. I, I could never be a car salesperson. I, I almost said salesman because they are mostly men, but salesperson. I'm sure there's women car salespeople. Yeah, the woman if who sold a, me a car, my last car was a woman. If you're a woman car salesperson. <laughs> I just said the woman who sold me a car was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a car salesperson at all, first of all, I salute you because I literally wanted to kill myself all day long yesterday. Um, but yeah, it's terrible. It's the worst. So I took today off from that. Plus, most dealerships are closed. And I did not think about it. And so we're going to go back and try tomorrow. I have a question for our listeners who are not in the South. Mm -hmm. Are car dealerships open on Sundays where you guys are? Because... Or is it like the liquor store? Right. Right. Because, like, in Texas and Louisiana, everything's closed because of God. Well, actually, did you, uh, there's like a weird law that says a car dealership has to close one day a week and it doesn't have to be Sunday. They just, they cannot operate seven days a week. They have to close for one day. Huh. I did not know that. Which is why there's a couple that do open on Sunday and then their day is like Monday that they're not open. It's interesting. I'm so glad you know everything. Laws are weird. That's what I know. (laughs) Oh, this story is also weird. Uh, but first, who are we? Uh, oh, God. Am I Ed McMahon with a giant check? God, I hope so. Get <laughs> over here, buddy. <laughs> Welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. I'm Erin. What's up? And we are um, your easy listening for this whatever time of day you choose to listen to us. I'm Sarah Koenig. <laughs> and I'm also Sarah Koenig. And together we are Sarah Koenig. Sarah Koenig. <laughs> Has my identity crisis. <laughs> that should be our first shirt. It should be. <laughs> this movie, you know, it wasn't bad. I was hoping that it wouldn't be because it I wasn't have... good, but it wasn't bad. Listen, wasn't bad is high praise for a lifetime yes, movie. It really was, yes. Like any kind of discerning uh cinephile would be like this movie was horrible for me it was fine it's a solid <laughs> five out of ten which makes yeah. it like a 93 percent if you grade on a curve for lifetime it's solidly mediocre <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i and i have a question did did this real case occur in the 40s no okay was it the 60s yes okay because I thought when I read about like what the case was, maybe it was her birthday. Was she in the was 40s. born in forty eight? Yeah, okay. Because 
it was like in the 40s and then this movie was set in the 60s and i was like well if you're gonna change time periods why not at least make it the 90s when this was released like <laughs> or go way back and make it pioneer days <laughs> <sighs> there's a lot going on in this movie but this movie is called cry in the wild okay and it was released in 1991 stars megan follows she was anna green gables she was Anne of Green Gables. I know her because we watched her she a lot was the in my house. O, the OG because now there's Anne with an E on Netflix. Yeah, we don't, we don't we don't talk about movie. that one. I haven't watched it. But yeah, she was Anne of Green Gables. She's also in one of those period films. I mean, shows Rain. like Rain. Okay. I only know that because Sarah watches that. Yeah, she plays Peggy Ann Bragnick and she was the OG Anne of Green Gables. She was in Rain and she also narrated a documentary about Billy Joel, which I just thought was interesting. <laughs> I know I've told you this, but every time I get the chance to brag, I tell you that I got to see him at Madison Square Garden and then mm -hmm. I played Carnegie Hall the very next day. Yes, I remember. I know. Oh, I thought um, I was drinking my Billy Joel glass, but no, it's my Starbucks. <laughs> Um, it also stars David Morse, who plays Bicycle Pete slash Bill. <laughs> I laughed when I read that nickname in my notes. Like, Bicycle <laughs> Pete. Um, he was in The Green Mile. Oh. He was also in The Hurt Locker. Hey, what was his name? I totally ignored you. Uh, Will I'm sorry, William. David Morse. Okay. Um, he was in The Hurt Locker, and then he was also in World War Z. Okay. <clears throat> And then David Soul, who plays Terry Anderson, a.k.a. FBI plebe. That's what I call him in this movie. Okay. And I only include him because he was the original Hutch from Starsky and Hutch. Really? They got like... They got some talent. They got some mm -hmm. actors, which tells yeah. me the soundtrack is just one poor violin trying its hardest. And like people <laughs> breathing hard into a mic. Um, and also well, it is got... one set that they put on one of those rotation things and they just crank it. So the scene moves and they don't. So this time they got the actors. What they didn't get was the lighting. <laughs> <laughs> because this whole movie takes place in the dark. <laughs> There's where their budget was cut. I feel like this should be a segment. Like what did Lifetime exchange to make this film? <laughs> Um, and David Morris is going to bring us our Pornhub or TV this week with a special movie called Hound Dog in which he plays the character Daddy. <laughs> Isn't Hound Dog the movie that had Dakota Fanning and there's a pretty violent rape scene in it that was pretty controversial? I don't think so. It was, a, it's like an old movie. Oh, okay. Because I feel like Hold that on, the... I'm going to double check. Okay. I feel like that was the name of that Dakota Fanning film that was... Oh, it was. Wow. It was. Because they consulted Jodie Foster uh -huh. for the filming of that scene for something she'd done when she was little to talk about, like, the psychological trauma. And she was like, I didn't have any because I knew I was acting, question mark. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, I don't remember it won a lot of awards, but it was up for a lot of awards. Yeah. Well... So, yeah, we know. Sorry, I, I ruined your really, porn hub or TV. Oh, no. It's, <laughs> hey, that's interesting. I, I, I had no idea. I just picked it out because his name was Daddy. Daddy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's gross. That just sounds gross. Yeah. I don't like it. And here, yeah, I'm not going to get into it right now, but I don't like it. Okay. 
So I just have to say, first off, that I'm super happy I didn't have to watch this movie on YouTube. Okay, well, you're one step so, up. It was in the app. Which, whichever, yes. Okay. So whichever um, lifetime employee whose job it is to listen to this podcast and make sure we don't say anything too bad about you, please give me access to your entire catalog because I can't work in those conditions anymore. Um, we are a z-list level podcast and we demand this send my writer <laughs> <laughs> oh no we're not hey look we made the top 100 this week we so. did shout out to all of our fans okay. who hit play yeah. yes thank you it was a really good boost to my self-esteem when i was feeling pretty low <laughs> this week <laughs> i was like at least i'm sometimes funny Dozens of people like me. <laughs> That's the shirt I want. At least I'm sometimes funny. <laughs> we open with a flyover shot of the forest. And I was thinking, oh, that's so beautiful. Except I know someone's going to be kidnapped and I don't like it. <laughs> um, there's a school bus driving along the road through the forest, which is concerning. Um, and we can hear children singing which is not creepy at all i don't know why but especially because i haven't even seen this film but the way you're describing it i'm getting like real casper the friendly ghost christina ritchie vibes like weird camera angles and like Uh, weird filters that make everything brown and dark like very early 90s like grunge film. film kind of yeah kind of We'll get back to that. Shade Gap, Pennsylvania, 1966. That does not sound like it could be a real place. It really, it sounds like one of those places that's in a um, soap opera. Like that's the town that they live in. Did you ever read Tuck Everlasting? No. Or seen it? Um, the, The setting of the book is Tree Gap. And that's what I feel like this is the next town over. Sure, probably. <laughs> On the bus, two little girls start pushing each other and an older girl that like, kind of breaks them up. She's like, y'all be nice. Then she sits back and smiles serenely. So I know she's going to get kidnapped in just a little while. Or um, she's the kidnapper. Plot twist. Um, No, it's Peggy. She's the victim. She catches eyes with a boy and like smiles at him on the bus. Mm, young love. And then... um. They drive by a house and the two little girls yell, hey, there's mama. And they start yelling and waving at their mom, who's like sitting outside this house. So Peggy is their older sister, it turns out. And she's sitting next to their other brother because he kind of rolls his eyes. And she says that there's nothing wrong with cleaning other people's houses. And he says, quote, maybe not for mama, but it ain't nothing to be proud of neither. Well... I can't even begin to deconstruct the grammar. Right? Like, I'm trying to unpack all those double negatives. Yeah, it was a lot. I think he just got president after all that. Like, (laughs) that's the kind of campaign speech you need. That Literally look at the White House right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, later, a completely random lady is carrying a baby talking to her friend about getting home to make supper and how did babies survive in the 60s like they just threw them in the car and just drove around with 
like <laughs> cut the lid off of a shoebox and put your kid in there. And... She's like, come on, let's go. And she like places it on the passenger seat. And she's like, okay, <laughs> it's happening. Um, That's why our earth is overpopulated now is because we built contraptions like car seats and seat right. belts and natural selection can't work airbags. not just anymore. <laughs> Um, she's driving and comes across a tree branch laying across the road. So she gets out to investigate. And that's when a creepy dude comes out of the woods with a gun. So she hightails it back to her car and throws that bitch into reverse. Um, the guy starts shooting at her. She's screaming. The baby is screaming. Everyone's screaming. <laughs> he shoots out her windshield and then I guess takes off into the woods but not before we see that he's wearing one of those creepy, like plastic Halloween masks, like like BTK, but the guy one. Ew. And I was like, thanks for my next thousand nightmares life. Right. I really appreciate it. Ooh. Um cut to the police and the townsmen bumbling down a hill with some dogs talking about how they'll kill the quote mountain man. And this is where I just put insert carnival music. <laughs> oh good, because I've got carnival music in mind too. We really do need to find this sound effect. We do. Mm -hmm. um, one of the townsmen says, You aren't any closer to catching this guy than you were a year ago, are you? Um, and then they all storm off because they lose. Oh, I skipped something. I'm sorry. So the dogs lose the scent, right? Right. And a police car drives up next to them and i'm like why are you dumb fuckers walking through the woods in the dark if you can drive there right <laughs> but what the, whatever so yeah then they say oh you're not any closer to catching this guy and he, they storm off and we cut to peggy sweeping the porch next day the next day her brothers and sisters are running around she tells them not to get lost in the woods she tells another sister to go help with the laundry, but she's distracted staring at a man in the woods. And I was like, mm-mm, nope. no, I let's cancel that. Well, she tells Peggy there's someone watching them and asks if she thinks it's the mountain man. And she says, no, it's just somebody hunting. And she's right, because it's the boy from the bus that she smiled at. Oh, it's the sweet boy. He's he done, he done brought he gets, her a deer to show his love. No, he's like comes out and he's like hey and she says hi and then they have like a very awkward moment and then he's like okay bye and he like goes back into the woods <laughs> so that is so 17 years old <laughs> um mrs johnson who i've never heard of before and will never hear from again comes to pick up mama to take her to work that so. <laughs> is a plus script writing here lifetime yeah. um later it's nighttime and windy we're at yet another random person's house there's a lady in the shower and her husband, I think, says he's going to go check on the shed because there's a storm coming. And oh, neato, there's the creepy mountain dude peeping in their window. Hey, I don't like that. The man asks what the hell he thinks he's doing, so the mountain man shoots him. I was not prepared. I wasn't either. Um, at Peggy's house, they hear the ambulance go by and then a car pulls up, but it's just her dad. Um, I guess he lost his job. I don't know how she knows this, but she just does. Peggy Ann knows everything. Mm -hmm. She knew that was yeah. a hunter. She knew dad lost, lost her job. She knows the winning lottery numbers to tomorrow's lotto. Uh, okay, bitch, call me. <laughs> um, he tells her he was working for some, quote, mouthy little twerp. 
And Peggy's like, oh, so you got fired <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, no. And dad's like, you don't need to tell your mom that. Um, and then he tells her to go to bed. The next day, the local police officer and the state detective are out with their walking sticks looking for clues. <laughs> Is this even real? <laughs> yeah. I guess the story is that this guy has now shot at five people and hit two of them, and nobody knows who he is. But I can't stop noticing that the policeman is wearing two belts. <laughs> one of them is, like, for his pants, and one of is, is his, his like, gun belt? police his police tool belt, which is the technical term for gun belt. His police tool belt. Right, right. His <laughs> Batman also has a Batman tool belt. But they have the exact same buckle in the same place, and it looks weird. <laughs> So I just call him two belts for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> All officer two belts. Yep. Um, on the bus, Peggy's brother got in a fight at school that day because somebody made fun of him because they still have an outhouse and kids are mean. Um, she smiles again at the boy who says hi. And then he asks her to the prom. Oh. But she says her parents wouldn't let her go. And I'm like, oh. Sneak so out. Cute. Not that I'm encouraging you to sneak out. Anybody listening. But it's the 60s. They wouldn't have known. Hey, mom. Welcome to the 60s. So Peggy and her five siblings get off the bus and are walking home. Just having a normal fucking afternoon. And here comes Creepo from the woods to ruin everyone's day. Um, he jumps out at them, and I shouldn't be surprised, but here we are. Um, he grabs. <laughs> he he grabs says Peggy. it so dismissively. I was not prepared. <laughs> he grabs Peggy and points a gun at her brothers and sisters. Also today, he's wearing goggles instead of the creepy mask. Oh, good. But he still manages to be just as gross as he was before. Um, it sounds like that he finally got um queer eyed and they were like listen mask gotta go <laughs> mask has got to go oh man um uh he yells that he's taking peggy with him and that he'll kill all of them if they don't let him he has almost no teeth and it looks like his mouth is full of gauze which is weird um, you don't just run around kidnapping girls with a gun and putting gauze in your mouth? No. Then you've not lived. I, I guess not. Peggy's brother tries to go after him, but he charges at him with the gun, and then he takes off with Peggy in the woods. And the brother, like, just picks up the youngest kids and, kid, and they all, like, take off sprinting to the house. Um, from what I gather so far, their dad isn't that great of a guy. He's just, you know, kind of a fuck up and maybe borderline abusive but when the brother runs in and yells that some guy took peggy and dragged her into the woods he like grabs the gun off the wall and is like oh fuck that and he like runs into the woods um this could have very easily taken place in texas and i would not question any of it uh-huh yeah he this could take place in texas in 2019 <laughs> and i wouldn't question it. exactly what i meant <laughs> Um, he tells all the kids to get into the house, even the older brother who wants to come with him. And then he jumps over the chickens and runs down the road. Like you do. Yeah. Back over on the worst day of Peggy's life, the creeper drags her off into the woods. 
I can't tell if dad is hot on the trail or in a completely different part of the woods, but we see him like screaming, Peggy, Peggy, into the woods. Oh. Um, the creeper is pushing her deeper and deeper into the woods. And her dad must be kind of close because she can't hear him at this point. Okay. Um, he tells her if she makes one peep, he'll kill her. Oh, no. Um, they go, they get to where they're going for now. And he tells Peggy he's been planning this for a long time. He didn't just do it. He does take something out of his mouth. And I don't know what it was. It was not gauze, but it was gross. It was a cheek filler. I don't know what it's used for. I tried to find research. Like, I tried to research this because it's in the true story. And uh-huh. I he had a homemade cheek filler. And the only thing I can imagine is it would help hide his identity. Because he didn't have any teeth? Well. Maybe? Maybe. But I thought, like, he was he was kind of um, a vagrant. And so his, like, cheeks were all sunken in and stuff, I imagine. And so he was mm-hmm. trying to change his physical appearance with this. Sure. So he'd be harder to identify. Okay. Um... Peggy tries to run away, but he says he'll shoot her. Her legs are all cut up from running, so he rips part of his undershirt off. Ugh. Yeah. And throws it at her to clean herself off with. And I'm just like, please don't touch your body with that. Like, don't. Ugh. Um, a helicopter flies over, but um, he tackles her so they don't see her. The police are trying to mobilize. <laughs> Um, that's a very, um, operative word. It seems Peggy's dad is having none of this bullshit though. The detective or the state detective arrives and dad asks if he's just going to stand there all day. And the detective turns around and yells, who the hell are you? And he's like, uh, so two belts is like, that's Peggy's dad. (laughs) (laughs) So really good start to the whole thing. Um, he sends two belts home with um, dad and tells him to keep the whole family in protective custody. A guy in a suit arrives from, quote, HQ, wherever that is. <laughs> um, state detective tells Suits that he's been looking for this dude for two years and they haven't find him. found him. Peggy, or if they don't find him, Peggy is in a lot of trouble. Um, Suits is like, well, then get after it and pats him on the arm. And then leaves. And I'm like, did he just show up to give him a pep talk? Because he's not good at it. <laughs> nope. That's um, that's a 60s pep talk. We've had practice <laughs> since then. Um, creepy mountain man has dressed Peggy in his clothes. He tells her that the dumb police will probably shoot at her instead of him. Just great. Really not cool. He is a charmer and a half. And maybe he'll take her to prom. Mm. He asks if she knows who he is, and it turns out he's seen her in town, but also he's a guy that the kids pass on the way to school on the bus in the morning, and they call him Bicycle Pete. Okay. But his name is really Bill. Okay. That was the character development there. That's, um, that's it. Perfect. He says he's, she's his now because he loves her. Oh, man, if I had a dollar for every time I kidnapped a girl and said, you're mine now because I love you, I would have no dollars. Sarah, blink twice if you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Um, He almost rapes her, but they're interrupted by a dog barking. Thank God, because I can't take any more rape right now. No joke. Not a fan. Um, 
But Bill says he can outsmart a bunch of dumb cops and a dog. He's going to keep Peggy forever. State detective is running quite the search party and the FBI arrives. Um, he's not impressed by the FBI and their clothes for, you know, walking around in the woods because they're all wearing suits and ties. <laughs> like the FBI is known to do. But they're literally in the forest. Right. <laughs> I love and these it's case- raining. <laughs> I love these cases where every law enforcement agency no to mankind works together because they all fucking hate each other and nothing gets done. Like all they do mm-hmm. is have a pissing contest for yep. eight days while poor uh, Peggy Ann has to save herself. Look, they get into quite the pissing contest here. Don't you worry. Um, over at Peggy's house, dad's rocking one of the girls to sleep. She asks if Peggy's going to be all right. And he cries. Oh. Poor dad. Day two of the search. Everybody's out and everybody's searching. They even closed school so the boys can help and the girls can stay home and learn to cook, I guess. Uh, you forgot and sew. Mm-hmm. Learn to cook and sew. It's oh, a busy day. Busy day for those girls. But it's too dangerous for them to be out in the uh, wilderness. In the wild. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Out in nature, their constitution will just, they might, they might get the vapors. (laughs) (laughs) Although I think only people in the South get the vapors. (laughs) I teach middle school. I, everyone has the vapors. (laughs) (laughs) The boy who asked Peggy to prom tells the state detective that Peggy's real pretty, but her parents must be old fashioned because I don't think she's ever even been on a date. (laughs) (laughs) police officer <laughs> like it's like vital information um oh, that's funny. like in some of the notes i found from this like hey, this is really reflecting real life because <laughs> i'll forget to say this later if i don't it was like very important to whoever wrote this to know that when the boy ran home to talk to his dad his dad was frying chicken oh he was <laughs> frying chicken in the movie <laughs> That was like a vital detail, and then it never tells us the resolution of the chicken. So, oh, there's a lot of things that they leave off the resolution here, and I, we, I'm, we're going to cover it. Don't worry. Bill, the kidnapper, is listening to the radio to get updates on the search. He thinks he's really far from where they're looking. Um, he tells Peggy that he watched her from the woods for a long time, and even looked into her bedroom window while she was sleeping. Hey, um, fuck you. Don't do that. <laughs> That's gross. Okay. Um, he tells her he loves her and then touches her face. And I'm like, ew. I don't like it. Um, and oh, look. Back at uh, the search party headquarters, the reporters are here to ruin everything. You know how I love the media. Yeah. Um, and I. this is where I wrote. Is this town full of dust? It always looks dusty. <laughs> everything looks dusty. There's like a, a film over everything. See? It's that Christina Ricci filter I was telling you about. Yeah. Um, um, or it's the second coming of the Dust Bowl exclusive <laughs> to Shade Gap, Pennsylvania. The FBI is still coordinating. The state detective is still mad that the FBI is there. The head FBI guy says that they should probably just assume that Peggy's dead by now. Oh, good. 
Like, good job. All right, we solved it. Let's go home, boys. Yep. She's dead. Knock off and have a beer, huh? Um, they bring... Oh, so they bring the head FBI guy the thing that kidnapper Bill had in his mouth. And he doesn't know what it was either, so now I don't feel so bad. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I don't know. I guess we should keep it, though. Um, the head FBI guy sends state detective and the plebe FBI guy who he was arguing with earlier to go talk to the family. Good idea. Peggy and Bill are meanwhile running through the woods in the dark again. And I like, what was the plan here? Does he have a house? Like, where the fuck are they going? They're just like walking through the woods. Robin Hood and little John walking through the forest. <laughs> oodle lolly, oodle lolly, gollywood a day. No, <laughs> it just—I like, did not understand it. He gives her like, okay, so they stop and he digs up like some stuff that he had buried in the ground, and I was like, "That's some Israel Keys shit," and I'm not here for it. No. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Israel Keys terrifies me. <laughs> He's literally dead, and I'm still terrified of right. him. Right. Um, or, you know, on the positive side, boxcar children did that, too. This could be the boxcar children. It could be. But he is, like, committing a crime right now. That's so. true. They didn't do that. He gives her a pan of pe- can of peas. Say that three times fast. A can of peas to eat that he had buried there. Um, and he also pulls out some chains and chains her to a tree so she won't run away. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Cash. Just a Tuesday. Yeah. It's so dark that I can't even hardly see them. I can just hear what's happening. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh, but you were apparently right about that lighting thing. I was, yeah. At Peggy's house, her siblings are praying for her safe return while crying. The dad watches while crying. Um, just as an FYI, the mother's there, but she had to be sedated because, duh. Well, yeah. Um, Oh, well, it was also, it was also watched, she's a woman, so it was probably her time. The vapors. The vapors. Um, I also watched this while crying because it was so cute and sad. Um, FBI and state detective go to Peggy's house and talk about how they shouldn't say she's probably dead before they go inside. <laughs> Man, that is the vital information. Geniuses, both of them. Um, dad's not happy that he won't let them help look for Peggy and he cries again. The detectives get awkward and leave. Um, I would kind of like a sequel, like a follow-up movie that Mm -hmm. is just about the police officers. Well, you can't have one. I'll tell you why later. Okay. Um, dad's, no, sorry. Bill is telling Peggy that his master plan is to take her to his family's in another town that he hasn't ever seen in a really like that he, or that he hasn't seen in a really long time and probably don't know who he is anymore but that's the grand plan like they're going to go and just stay with these this family that he has well hey aunt susan this is my child bride <laughs> oh no He tells her that if she can't drive the getaway car to the other town when they eventually steal a car and kill the people inside of it, 
um, he's going to shoot her. So she's like, oh, I can totally drive. That's a pretty intense ultimatum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so he, so in the beginning of the movie, she was talking about how she wanted to learn how to drive, but dad probably wouldn't teach her because, you know, he says that even her brother doesn't need to know how to drive yet. So she surely doesn't because she's a girl. Right. Um, so now he's like, he tells her, if you can't drive this getaway car, I'm going to kill you. And she's like, I can totally drive. Mm-hmm. Really good at it. I have really, been in a car really hundreds of times. I have looked at a car so many times. <laughs> I know exactly what to do. I have said the word car at least 10 times. So, yeah, And I've said the word drive at least 20. So I'm an expert. Yeah. Um, um he falls asleep and Peggy tries to get his shotgun away from him, but he's actually just pretending to sleep and he pulls out a handgun that he also has. Uh, this is why we need gun control laws. What an asshole. Yeah. FBI and state detective go to Bill's quote house, which is really just a shack. Um, and, but only the dogs were home. So they just leave. They're like, well, nobody's home. Gotta go. Um, they argue, and I just know that these two are going to be best friends by the end of this. Like I said, um, I want to show about them. Peggy's foot is infected from running through the woods. Um, is she not wearing shoes? She is, but she got all like scratched up, remember, from running yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, through yeah. the brush and all that. And I, I think she's got like blisters from walking through streams and then, you know, continuing to walk through the woods in her Ooh, school shoes. Poor thing. No, oh, poor baby. Um, He... Bill helps her take her sock off because she can't even take it off because it's so like messed up. But and then he tells her he like gingerly helps her take the sock off, and then he calls her a stupid bitch and is like, "Now look what you've done." And I was like, "Um, she didn't do anything." Okay, you did. <laughs> you have to understand though that in Shade Gap, Pennsylvania, "stupid bitch" is a term of endearment. Sure. Okay. He rips up another dirty shirt for her to wrap her feet in. And I just was sitting there like, oh, my God, she's going to get a staph infection. Like, I can feel now it. Now I know why she's infected. Mm-hmm. Bill does give her his shoes, though, which is nice, I guess. Not really. He tells her a sad story about his childhood and maybe how he killed his mother or maybe how he killed the mother of his dogs. I'm not sure. There's no way to know. <laughs> I don't like either of that, but nope. um, it's storming again, and Peggy's little sisters wake up and cry because they want Peggy. Um, Mom's finally out of her coma from the station. <laughs> oh, poor mom, I feel so bad for her. She comes in, they all hug and cry. It's really sad. I can't get into it. Um, FBI plebe calls his wife. Um, he and state detective talk about their kids and then start talking about Bill's empty cabin and how it's just weird that nobody's seen him for a few days. Very suspicious. Mm-hmm. FBI, too, comes up with tomorrow's new pa- newspaper that has a headline that says they've arrested someone, which is not true. Um, media, can you fuck off a little bit? He throws it down on the table and he says, doesn't he know the kidnapper can read? And for once... I'm not sure that's correct. (laughs) Uh, It's day four now. Peggy is still begging him to let her go. She asks him what happened to his dogs, and he says they'll have to figure out a way to get back to his house because he didn't feed the dogs. 
like it just occurred to him that he left his dogs alone. You know, normally I would be mad about that, but it's clear he has like no sense of empathy. So I don't expect him to be able to take care of dogs, which means he doesn't deserve them. Dynamic duo, (laughs) which is the plea FBI and the state detective. Right. They go to talk to a lady and she says that she and her husband were out of town. But when they came back and went to check on their horses, the person that was supposed to feed and water them never did. Guess who it was? Ed McMahon. Hands were full with that giant (laughs) check. No. It was Bill. Oh my God. Crazy how this is all That's coming real together. suspicious. Ain't nobody seen him in a while. He didn't mm-hmm. feed the horses. And last I saw him, he was running around with some girl with an infected foot. That's so weird. <laughs> she looks an awful lot like Peggy Ann. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh gosh. Back at headquarters. Bill is officially the number one suspect. It only took this long. (laughs) Um, His rap sheet is about a mile long already, and he was in a hospital for the criminally insane for 13 years. Um, That sounds real fun. Um, Let's go there for our first live show. uh, No. (laughs) Also, the head FBI dude says that the, quote, super dogs are coming tomorrow, and I don't know what they are. But I'm really excited to find out. I what hope the they have capes. <laughs> I imagine just two real cute puppies with capes, and they're going to solve it all. Except I know what comes next. Yeah, um, they do not want the press to know he's a suspect, so we'll see how long before the media fucks this up. <laughs> they um, already did. I, I not very long. <laughs> I was, I'm going to guess that while they were having that conversation, the media already fucked it up. Um, Bill and Peggy goes to Bill's shack and I wrote in all caps, if this is who they are looking for, why is there not a police officer there? Oh, was there not? No. (sighs) Okay. He feeds the dogs kind of, he like lets them out of the shack and then he like dumps a bag of dog food on the ground. And then he starts off with Peggy back into the woods. But one of the dogs follows him, and it's so cute and sweet, and I swear to Jeebus, if he kills this dog, I'm going to be so mad. Um, he threatens to shoot the dog, and the dog stays at first, but then runs after them. End scene. I don't know what happened to the dog yet. I was very concerned. Yeah, I don't like that. But the super dogs are here, and it turns out they're just German shepherds, but they're so cute, and I want to give them treats. Capes? No capes. Uh, not that stupid. But the handler then. says one of the jo- one of the dogs quote only speaks German, and I need to know so much more about why the dog speaks German. Yeah, I think he, he does not understand. understand German. He speaks German. Um, listeners, if you can bark with a German accent, please <laughs> send us a recording at lifetime at podcast at gmail dot com. I need to know about the dog that speaks German. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. The super dogs, their handler, and our dynamic duo come up on Bill's house and notice that none of the dogs are barking. Suspicious. Yeah, no joke. They go peek in the windows and see that all the dogs are gone. And at this point, I don't know what happened to the dogs, so I'm very concerned that they're all dead. I don't. I, I don't like any of it. 
the super dogs pick up on Peggy scent as well. So we're finally on the trail and maybe are going to find her. Um, doo, doo, doo. Uh, Bill takes Peggy to a house and they break in. Peggy says she can't do this. And Bill says they have to rob whoever they have to and kill anyone who gets in their way. So they rob this house. Peggy just starts eating fruit. And I'm like, oh, poor baby. She like grabs food and she's like, I'm starving to death. And she just starts eating an apple. I'm like, poor baby. Um, Bill finds another gun, which is exactly what he needs. Yeah. Because, I mean, two is not enough. Yeah. The super dogs lose the scent while the reporters, as predicted, fuck everything up and release Bill's name. Perfect. Bill hears bits and pieces and Peggy knows that she is screwed. Yep. Um, Date detective and two belts have a cabin staked out too little too late. They hear a noise, but it's just the dog Bill was threatening to shoot earlier. So at least one of them is alive. Thank God. You said for now. I didn't like that. Peggy and Bill need a shower. Um, Bill notices that the dog stopped following him. And says that they're in real trouble now. But I don't know why. Like, I, my first thought would have been like, oh, he got lost. But that's not Bill's first thought. And I, I don't know why. Um, well, it doesn't sound like Bill's super good at thinking in general. So. True. Super dogs are back at it. Um, so the dynamic duo, super dogs, their handler, and two belts are at Bill's cabin. That is a party and a half. Yeah. Two belts whines. Shouldn't we wait for backup? And dynamic duo is like, uh, get in loser. We're going to catch a kidnapper. (laughs) So they let Bill's dog go and then let the super dogs like follow Bill's dog to where he is. I guess, I guess that's the, the master plan here. Um, so I wrote, is Bill's dog the real super dog? If the super dogs are just following his dog. That's true. Yep. This is a very meta movie. It is. Super dogception. (laughs) He better get a key to the city when this is all over. Um, Peggy wakes up and hears the dog barking. He's the goodest boy and he comes over and Peggy sees the police through the trees and she's like, yay. But Bill wakes up and ruins everything. No. Mm-mm. Nope. Don't like it. He shoots the dog. No, I don't like that. He shoots the FBI plebe. Nope. And the rest of them get into a gunfight. No. Nope. One of the super dogs gets shot. No. This is just a spicy disaster, which is what I now call a hot mess. <laughs> I am a big fan. Thank you. Um so Bill and Peggy get away. Well, Bill gets away with Peggy. I don't think she got away cuz she wasn't trying to go with him or anything. Um they go tell Peggy's family they saw her alive. And the family starts to celebrate cuz they're like Peggy's alive. Yay! But then they're like wait, but he got away. They got away. Yeah, but at least Peggy's alive. Like I can see their need for celebration. Oh no, no, no! But they told them they made it sound like they had her. Oh no! And then they were celebrating. They were like, "Oh no, we don't have her. We just saw her. She's alive." No, you can you can fuck off with the fake good news. Um. Also, FBI plebe died 
No. From his injuries, which is really sad. So there will be no buddy cop movie. Peggy's mom says she'd like to write. She's so sweet. She asked um, if FBI guy had any, um, had like a family. And they say, yes, he had a wife and four children. And she says that she'd like to have their address so she can write them a letter and say how sorry she is. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that was so sad. Um, Back in the woods, Bill's like, I showed that dumb cop, didn't I? Um, Peggy is not impressed. Um, He realizes that they lost the chain and her padlock in the fight when they were running away. So he hits Peggy for being so irresponsible and tells her to pay more attention next time. Um, how about fuck off? He says he's never had a woman before and he's not going to give one up now. Um, that wasn't apparent at all. Um, Peggy says that she's sorry she lost a chain and promises that he won't need another one because she'll never try to run away again. Day seven, they have checkpoints everywhere. The super dog that wasn't hurt slash killed, I'm still not sure what happened to the dog. I'm not happy about it. Um, It's back on the job. Bill finds a cabin and the man who lives there goes into the outhouse and Bill is hiding in there. So he finds a cabin. There's a car parked outside. He's like, okay, we're going to steal that car. Okay. So the guy goes into the outhouse and Bill's hiding in there. He tells the guy not to run, but the guy does run. So Bill shoots him. Bill takes his Bill's a little trigger happy in the truest yeah. sense of the word mm-hmm. phrase rather. Yeah. He takes the poor man's keys and gives them to Peggy. And Peggy's like, maybe this guy should drive his own car. <laughs> maybe he knows with a better. gunshot wound. <laughs> poor Peggy. And so he does they like Bill's like, yeah, good idea. So that's what they they make the guy drive his own car with a gunshot wound. Not a not a fan, but I get it, Peggy. They pull out onto the road that leads to like the main road and two belts and his partner zero tact, which is what I've named this guy. Yes. um, Are stationed at the end, uh, like at the main road, like at his gate. So they get um, the guy drives up to the end of his like private road and he gets out to open the gate. He's no fool though, because as soon as he gets the gate open, he starts screaming, I've been shot. I've been shot. Just as Two Belts notices that there's someone else in the car. Bill starts shooting and Two Belts shoots the tires out of the car so they can't get away. But Bill runs away again. Um, Two Belts starts chasing him, but he has to stop to reload. Thank God he's wearing that second belt, right? Right. Um, They come out the other side of the property and see several police cars coming like down the road. So they go and hide in the barn. And by this time, they've created enough of the ruckus that, like, the people in the the farm next door notice. And they're like, let's go get the gun. So they do. Perfect. Um, uh, So they're surrounded. The helicopter comes. They're having to shoot out. Everyone has terrible aim. Nobody's getting shot. They're just shooting bullets. They're just wasting bullets, really. Some people from the farm down the road, they, they, they come with their guns. And in our edit of the week, finally. Finally. I was getting worried. Everything goes into slow-mo. The neighbor pops up from behind a pile of wood, shoots off his rifle. Bill, I guess it was headed for Peggy, so he pushes her to the ground. The rifle shot misses him and actually hits the ground. But Zero Tact actually has good aim and shoots him in the shoulder. Um, 
then the helicopter gunman hits him too. So Bill's dead. Peggy's very traumatized. I this all happened in slow motion. Can't the imagine. Whole thing. This is what the Matrix wanted to be. Yeah. State detective comes over. He tells her it's okay, that it's over. They're going to take her home. She hugs him. Her family puts on their Sunday best and they go see her in the hospital. Oh. Dad says things are going to be different from now on. And anytime she wants to learn how to drive, he'll teach her. I, um, okay. I get the sentiment. Yeah. However, I don't think she probably ever wants to be in a car ever again after this. She was never in a car the whole time. No, I know. Well, and but... that's at the very end. But the the contingency of her survival was that she knew how to drive a car. Sure. <laughs> Um, she thanks the state police and the head FBI guy. Um, they push her, a nurse pushes her out into a wheelchair um, to speak to reporters. Um, they ask her stupid questions like, were you scared? No. Mm -mm. It was I fun. Just, I just woke up this morning and I was like, you know what would be fun if somebody just kidnapped me? Like, that's all I want. That's, that's all I want. Um, they, um, and then she reads a statement that's very Stockholm syndrome -y about how he was just a lonely guy and was trying to force human companionship, which is problematic on the whole, but I understand her sentiments in the moment, I guess. Okay. And the ending just says Peggy Ann Bradnick is currently living happily in the Midwest. Good for her. Um, let's talk about all those words together. I don't know that that's possible. Living happily Why? in the Midwest. Well, it's been a, a while. Well, I've no, been... I just mean who's happy in the Midwest. Oh, true. <laughs> Only people in the South are happy. <laughs> we love you, the Midwest, and your corn. Except Wisconsin. We still haven't forgiven you. Yeah. All right. Wisconsin invented the need for the carnival music. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so are you ready to hear the real story i am all right my notes are kind of short this week like i felt like they were long because i kept just kept reading and kept reading and wrote things down and then they're kind of the shortest notes i've had in a long time so well that's good because i went over it yeah and i'm sure. just going to talk real slow so, no. Um, so Peggy Ann Bradnick was born on August 16th, 1948 in Shade Gap, Pennsylvania. She was the oldest of six children. And um, her siblings names because I talk about her siblings. So she was the oldest. And then her next younger brother was Jim. And he was just over a year younger than her. Or just okay. under a year younger, I mean. Um, okay. And then they had a younger sister, Mary Louise. She was five years younger than Jim. Okay. And then there were, there was a set of twins, Donnie and Debbie, boy and girl. And <laughs> Aaron just rolled her eyes at Stop that. naming your twins dumb things. <laughs> Please. Uh, anyway, they were two years younger than Mary Louise. And they are different people. Their names don't need to rhyme. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop now. And then their, the youngest sibling was Carol Jean. And she was nine years younger than Peggy. Okay. So, um. Right out. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so on May 11th, 1966, when Peggy was mm -hmm. 17 years old, mm -hmm. 
she was getting off the bus, her, the school bus with her siblings, when she was taken at gunpoint by a man in a red velvet jumper and little white sandals that he'd purchased at a hardware store in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. I'm so, sorry, what? He, he did not get queer-eyed, is what I'm telling you. Do you mean jumper like British jumper, like a sweater? Or do you mean jumper like American jumper, like a dress? You know, I don't know the answer to that. Because the article, it was Wikipedia that gave me this information. Um, or was it was it Wikipedia or was it the other news article? Let's see. No, it was the other article that was written in America. So, I mean, Wikipedia, I have I'm to sure, know. Is, right? Uh, let's... I would like to say that when she said jumper, because that was from a quote from her, that maybe mm-hmm. she meant jumpsuit. Maybe. Um, which isn't better, but... No. <laughs> in fact... But let's... I would be caught so off guard if a man jumped out of a woods <laughs> in a red velvet dress. Um, let's, in fact, change it to a romper. He was in a red velvet romper and... I rob him. <laughs> and white sandals. Oh, my God. The white sandals. Like, what is it? Easter? What the fuck? This is a statement he was making. Oh, my God. Maybe. I'm going to ask a list of questions because I still don't know what happened to all the dogs. I'm very upset about this. Maybe he was, like, trying to throw people off. He was like, if they report that a man in a red dress and white sandals kidnapped their sister, they would think there's no way that happened. So. Well, he also had that thing in his mouth. Right. Um. So he snatched Peggy Ann in front of her siblings and pulled her into the woods, leaving her siblings helpless. Her oldest brother, Jim, took off immediately for home. He left the next, like the oldest sister after Peggy, Mary Louise, Uh left her in charge of the younger kids. And he was like, get them home, but I'm going to run home faster than y'all. And I was like, that's probably not the best choice I would have made, but I get it. Well, I figure, I mean, there's one guy. He's already got one sister. He's not coming back for the rest of them. So, right. so he sprint- somebody's got to run faster than everybody else. I get it. Okay. He sprinted home where Good job, f- Jim. Right. So he sprinted sprinted home where he found his father Eugene. As I said earlier, frying chicken. Um, did you ever watch The Help? God, yes. I just think of many don't fry, many don't burn fried chicken because I'm like, did he take the chicken off the stove or did it just, is it still frying today? Like (laughs) one of, so true story, a girl in my, not in my chapter, but a girl in my sorority wrote the note, the help. Oh, really? (laughs) I love that book. Yes, me too. It's a wonderful book. So good. Um, so, um, Their mother, who was a housekeeper, was working at the time. So Eugene left the left Jim in charge of everybody. He ran for the woods with a gun and started calling for her as loudly as he could. Later in an interview, Peggy Ann, um, her so her maiden name was Bradnick, but now she's married. She's still alive, and her last name is Jackson. So a few Uh times I wrote her last name as Jackson, um, but in general I just call her Peggy Ann. Um, Peggy Ann said she heard her father calling for her, but she was unable to respond for fear of getting killed by her abductor. Her quote was, Mm -hmm. that was one of the hardest things, not being able to answer him. We were always taught, right? She said, we were always taught to answer our parents. Jackson then said that she was scared not only for herself, but also for her family. Because at the time, she was the primary caretaker for her siblings after school because both of her parents worked. Uh-huh. And I just found it really sweet 
And that in the worst moments of her life, all she could think was what's going to happen to my siblings. That is so sweet. And throughout this whole story, she is so strong. I'm incredibly impressed with um, the maturity that either. I mean, I know she was like 70 the last time she gave a speech about this. Right, right, right. But even like the dignity that she can speak about the whole situation with is just so strong. And the. Yeah. And it just. Having gone through that as a teenager. Right. And like a young teenager, like that's life altering. Absolutely. Completely. And the fact that she was able to speak about it throughout her life, because some people would never want to talk about it again. And she was able to speak about it throughout her life and help other people. Right. It sounds like at least. Yes. So um, as he got her into the woods, they stopped in a clearing and he took off the goggles he was wearing and put them in a haversack he was carrying. That's like a military messenger bag. Um, he then took sure. out a cheek filler made from two wooden discs that were wired together. And again, don't know what this is. So, in the and you may be getting into this, so I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it. But did he have two and he dropped one? No, it doesn't say. Okay. It just says he was made. It was made from two wooden discs wired together. So in the movie, he takes the one out of his mouth and he said, I had two of these. And then he tries to go back and look for it, but he can't find it. And that's the thing that they find and bring to the, but it doesn't help catch him. It's just yeah. the thing that they find. No, I don't have any record of that. Doesn't mean it's not true. But, um. There's no so way to know. He, from that haversack, he pulled out a jacket and a pair of pants. Um, and he instructed Peg, Peggy to put them over her red dress, saying that red dress sticks out like a sore thumb. Um. So now I'm like, did I miss my information? And was Peggy wearing the red jumper? Because that would make more sense. But I'm still leaving. He's in the red jumper. Um, and that we we also agreed it was a romper. A romper, yeah, that's right. I need you sorry. to adjust your notes. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was just total misspeaking on my part. I'm sorry to offend all rompers everywhere. <laughs> um, oh my lord. Anyway, um, so she said he had no communication skills. <laughs> Sorry, I was picturing those white sandals again, and I cracked myself up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. She said he had no communication skills. He used abusive and horrible language and was not someone to fight back to. He was a killer. Um, so most of the, like, quotes that I pulled that are her direct quotes are from mm-hmm. a speech that she gave at a church in Reedsville, Pennsylvania, it, last year, okay. in 2018. So, okay. um, in April of 2018, she gave this speech. Um, and then, um, so when her abductor guided her under the Pennsylvania turnpike through, turnpike through a culvert and out of the search area where people were beginning to search for her, I think I started with a dang, No. Anyway, he guided her through the turnpike. Um, her kidnapping became the largest manhunt in history at the time, which I feel like we say for every case that we cover. But this was like the 60s. So I actually believe like, okay, so we covered this one. We covered one on our Patreon that was the biggest, but that was in the 90s. So this happened in the 60s. Right. So, you know. I feel like they are they actually bigger. that, but... It's just funny that I feel like that's a fact that I read on everything lately. It's true. and But I also feel like by this time in t- the year t- 2019, 
they should be able to pull off the biggest manhunt by not even stepping one foot outside because every inch of the earth is covered in freaking CCTV. Right. Um, well, this a thousand people turned out to help search for her, including Aww. civilians and police officers and the FBI and state troopers. So And her, the boy who had a crush on her. Yeah, obviously. He was the one leading it. He had the pitchfork and a torch. Well, he's the one that had the vital information that she, her parents didn't let her date. Right. Right. <laughs> so, that poor kid. It's like, oh, I feel bad. The man, even though he's not even probably a real person, I still feel bad. Right. Um, the man who'd taken Peggy chained her to a tree while he searched for his dogs, but he was unable nope. to find them. Mm. I don't like that. He then took Peggy Ann to a cave he had dug out in an area of the Tuscarora Mountains known as Gobbler's Knob. <laughs> and that is my Pornhub or TV. Oh, oh my God. That's the point in my notes where I wrote, is this even real? They start out in Shade Gap, which I swear sounds like it's from Tuck Everlasting, and they wind up in Gobbler's Knob. Well, and what did you, you said? Tuscadero. Uh huh. I uh, thought it, I thought you were going to say Tuscaloosa, and I was like, how the hell did they get <laughs> Tuscarora? But yeah, Tuscarora. Um. So, um, on the second day of her kidnapping, so they like spent the night in this cave, and on the second day of their kidnapping, Peggy Ann said that her abductor finally removed his mask and asked her if she recognized him, and she didn't at first. Um, her kidnapper t- wound up being William Driller Hollenball, Hollenbaugh, Hollenboff, H O L L E N B A U G H. I'm gonna go with Hollenball. <laughs> Hollenball, it is. <laughs> Deck the halls with Hollenball. I don't Hollenball. know where I was going with that. <laughs> anyway, um, oh my goodness, he was a man in his forties who'd been released from jail. I wrote a few weeks earlier, but that is incorrect. I got ahead of myself. He'd been released from jail a couple of years earlier. Okay. Um, in 1939, he'd been convicted of burglary, and he spent um, 20 years in prison and in an insane asylum. Um, and, Excellent. Yep. In 1962, he came to the village of Shade Gap. And by the way, it was a village. It's super small. Um, okay. And he became known as both the Bicycle Man and Bicycle Pete. Sounds legit. I mean, why not? Whenever I was in college, there was a an art grad student who was supposed to be finishing up his master's degree online. And they <laughs> fucked up his paperwork somehow. And he had to come to campus for one semester. And he said he refused to pay rent for one semester. So he literally put up a tent at different places around the campus and just camped out every night. Nice. And so we all called him tent guy and or tent man. And tent man also would have some kind of art exhibit out by where he was sleeping. So like he did a community canvas and he'd left out spray paint for anyone to add what they wanted to it and all kinds of cool stuff like that. Okay. Tent guy sounds like a lot of fun. Right. Uh, this guy sounds like a fucking creeper. Right. So that's what I was about to say is I'm so grateful we didn't have a bicycle Pete, but I, I'll take tent man any day. Tent man sounds like a good time. Um, 
So after Holland Ball re- revealed his identity to Peggy Ann as Holland the bicycle Ball. man, he went on to confess crimes to her for which he was responsible. So in August of 1964, he broke into the home of Mrs. Christine Devinney. She had a rifle in her hand whenever she saw him, and he shot it out of her hand. And then he bound her up and left. No. (laughs) Nope. Shortly after that, a woman driving on a back road was blocked by a pile of logs. And um, when she got out to investigate it, the man shot through the window of her car and shot and shattered the baby's bottle that was in her, I guess, passenger seat. But Next to the box with the baby in it? Yeah. Shot and shattered the bottle. anyone survive the 60s? I don't understand. And then on Good Friday... I about every time period, but... Right. On Good Friday, uh, April 16th of 1965, Ned Price surprised a trespasser on his property... The trespasser mm-hmm. shot him, and it resulted in him needing to have his leg amputated. Yes. So this is the guy that was in the movie because mm-hmm. they, um, in the like, they're talking. Oh, do you think he'll ever walk again? And they were like, Oh yeah, he's gonna get like a a, a prosthetic leg or whatever. Gotcha. Um, and so because it kind of looked like he shot him in the in the crotch, and I was like, that That's sucks. not fun. <laughs> Um, so this collection of sharpshooting crimes earned the unknown criminal the moniker the mountain man so as he's asking peggy if she knows who he is he reveals that he's the mountain man which then i feel so bad for this community because at the time they don't know that this guy who just kidnapped this girl is the mountain man so they've got these two major criminals they're looking for that are terrifying i mean but i have to like how long was it before they figured out like what are the what are the odds that there are two horrible criminals in this tiny in village shade gap pennsylvania right but you know at first population 1000 right you know at first especially the idiots who actually read the newspapers were like oh my god, god. there's two of them yeah i know <laughs> um i mean it's okay we have mass shootings once or twice a week now and we don't do anything about gun control so why are we so high and mighty right um so later peggy ann said i realized that no one had ever loved him or visited him in jail there was nothing or nobody to recognize that he was alive what if no one loved you would you still be the same person and so you know i get this but it's also like so I know that you think that it's um, like Stockholm, but I think it comes from a true place of forgiveness. I don't think that it's her feeling any emotion for him. I think it's her having learned to forgive him for being an awful monster. That's good. And maybe it's because in the movie, she's saying this stuff like days later when she's leaving the hospital from what he did to her. Right. Instead of with distance from the events. Right. Um. So then um, Bicycle Pete brought Peggy Ann to water a few times during her kidnapping to drink. And um, so he would basically grab her hair by the, like grab her by the back of her hair and push her head down into this creek that he was making her drink from. And when he decided she'd had enough, he'd jerk her back up by her hair and say that was it. No. Um. He also one day um, 
gave her peas from a can to eat. Mm-hmm. He pulled them out and placed them on a knife blade, and then he put the knife in her mouth <gasps> and like made her open wide. Uh huh. And then um, she he twisted the knife in her throat. And she said, I could feel it moving. He told me if I didn't swallow, he would cut off my head. I'm sorry, but what the fuck? Oh my God. Like, that's one of the most depraved things we have ever covered on this sh- on this that's podcast. Horrible. Ugh. I hate it. 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 A few days later, the pair left Gobbler's Knob. Thank God, because I can't make fun of it anymore. Uh, um, they went by Bicycle Pete's cabin to feed his dogs. And his cabin was actually being watched very closely by police. This is why I said there wasn't anybody. Nope. But No, no, no. They were off, like, doing something else. No. <laughs> well, keep the circus music going, because the officer assigned to watch the cabin had fallen asleep in his cruiser. I'm going to search for circus music later. <laughs> We're putting it on this episode. Um, Welcome. We now have circus music. <laughs> I think that's our title. So, um, after they left the cabin, Bicycle Pete forced Peggy Ann to burglarize a house with him. In this house, he found a 32 automatic... He also brought out two apples and he gave one to Peggy, but she actually refused to eat it, saying it wasn't hers to take. Aww. So, like I said, like, she just showed incredible strength through this whole thing. But even <laughs> even still, when he's, like, making her rob this house in the movie, and she's like, I can't do this, and he's like, well, you're gonna, whatever, and he, but then he's like, well, you're gonna go to jail, too, because now we're both criminals. Yeah, that's not how this works, Bike. No. Petey boy. No. Nope. Uh, but she's young, so she's like, oh, crap, like, I'm robbing a house, so I would go to jail, you know? And I yeah. just wanted to shout, like, no, you wouldn't. You're okay. Right. Um, well, she said, I felt God was testing me to find out where I was as a young woman. I heard voices after two days, and I prayed that they were not voices from inside my own head. I had serious mm. wounds, but I felt no pain. And to this day, she attributes the voices that she heard and the fact that she didn't feel any pain through this situation um, as, like, God putting a shroud of protection around her. You so, know what? I, I, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day... At, I hope it was. Yes, me I too. Do. I believe it was. The So the next day, FBI agent Ray Anderson spotted one of the mountain man's dogs and called to it. Um... Hollenball opened fire when he heard the man call to the dog and shot and killed the FBI agent. So that's fun. Not cool. He also shot both tracking dogs, like both super dogs. He killed one. Yeah. And then he shot his own dog. Super not cool. It's not okay to kill the dogs ever. Just don't kill in general. Right. Like, I don't, don't kill the dogs. I don't kill spiders. I kill snakes if they're in my house. I want to be honest. I don't like snakes. But I give them the option to not be in my house. Oh, if I found a snake in my house, I would burn this mother to the ground. <laughs> no. 
but I don't. Spiders, go- I'm cool as long as they're little. The one thing that I will m- murder or cockroaches, things, mosquitoes, and cockroaches. Yep. With no shame. So- oh, and wasps. Not bees, wasps, because I'm super allergic and they will kill me. So one of my friends was telling me, and I'd never thought about this, that she moved down to the south from, um, I think from Wisconsin, Appleton. Yeah. So um, she- Good for you. (laughs) She said that when they first moved, they had an apartment. It was a super nice apartment. And in her first week, she saw a cockroach and she like freaked out and had the whole place bombed and stuff. And then like- Three weeks later, there was another one. Because that motherfucker survived. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she was like, that's whenever I realized for the first time that in the South, cockroaches are just a thing. Because up North, only like poor or dirty houses have this or like unkempt houses. But in the South, like it doesn't matter how pristine your house is. Those fuckers are there. Mm -hmm. And she was like, cockroaches are the great equalizer. (laughs) When you find. So when I had to have my house bombed last year. Uh Uh-huh. My old house. I remember that. I remember reading a baffling statistic that has haunted me to this day, and now I will bestow it upon all of you. Beautiful. Can't wait. If you see one, that means there's at least 100 in your house. Hey, I hope you die. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. So just call the exterminator from the get-go. Clean Um, out all your shit. Move out. Have them bomb the place to death. And then... I could have gone my entire life without you telling me that fact and slept just fine. Thanks. You're welcome. It costs you nothing to not tell me that. I mean, but look how much fun I'm having right now. (laughs) Um, In any case. Also, if I have to know it, you should have to know it. And I can't believe, I'm sure I told you all this when this was happening. Yeah, but I like to put that out of my head. (laughs) Um, So during the tussle between the FBI agent and Bikey Petey, I don't know why that's what I've just defaulted to, but let's take it. <laughs> um, another searcher caught sight of Peggy Ann, and so he was able to confirm that she was alive um, because they weren't sure up to that point. And so then Hollenball took Peggy Ann and they fled again. Damn it. That evening, he tried to escape the search area with Peggy by going under a bridge near Fort Littleton. But they were unsuccessful, so instead they found their way to a hunting lodge with a car parked outside. Um, the, the person in this hunting lodge, which I'm surprised you didn't mention it in the movie, so they must not have hit this detail, was a sheriff's deputy. Oh, th- yeah, that was not a thing that was in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was Deputy Sheriff Francis Sharp. He was staying in his hunting lodge, and he was coming out of the wash house as uh, Bike Pete approached. So, um, Petey shot Sharp in the stomach and then forced him to drive him and Peggy Ann back to the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And so, um, Peggy said there was blood everywhere and he wanted to get back to Mifflin Town, which cannot be real. Mifflin Town. Like. Oh, that was <laughs> the town in the, in the, in the movie. Where yeah, his family Mifflin was. Town. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I thought at first he said muffler town, like a <laughs> car parts store. And I was like, <laughs> that's where his whole family lives. That's where you're going. My uncle's on aisle three next to the air filters. Your fluid. <laughs> <laughs> so, Have you seen that video? Yes. 
So, um, she later explained in that interview that he was going crazy about how they needed to use the turnpike to get to Mifflin Town, but you can't get to Mifflin Town, which is his hometown, from the turnpike. And so they kept trying to explain that, but it's clear that he was like having this psychological break because he was already so stable before that. Now I'm going to replace the word psychological with psychotic. That's what I meant to say. Thank you. Um, Also, whenever anyone says turnpike, I automatically think of New Jersey. That's the only place where they have turnpikes. (laughs) So, um, the the path to the turnpike was blocked by a cattle gate. So Hollenball commanded Sharp to open it. When Sharp was out of his car, he noticed nearby officers, so he sure did start screaming that Bicycle Pete was in the car. So um, the Sharp shooting mountain man started shooting through the car windows at the officers. And officers started to, like, drive up. Apparently they were close because they'd radioed more to drive up. So they started to drive up and try to, like, swarm the car. But he fled Mm -hmm. on foot and dragged Peggy Ann with him. And uh, ran... poor girl. Yeah. And ran down U.S. Highway 522 to a farm owned by by a man named Luther Rubeck. At the Rubeck farm, searchers closed in on Mountain Man and Peggy... Um, he began shooting wildly with a pistol before hiding behind a corn crib on the farm. Um, I'm going to need a definition of a corn crib. Okay. Corn cribs are, they're shaped like this. I know everyone can see that. They're shaped like the letter V with a flat bottom and they're open on the sides and it's where you put ears of corn to let them aerate and, um, dry a little bit after you've harvested them before you ship them out. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm just thinking because at my grocery store they keep the corn cobs under the thing that has the water, like the water mister. And I'm like, why would you dry it out if you're just going to stick it under more water when it gets to the grocery store? But that's none of my business. So. Um. I don't know. I don't know, but I looked it up and that's what I found. I clearly know so much about farming. <laughs> um. He made a break for it after hiding behind the corn crib. Um, and he ran to the front porch of the farmhouse when two shots rang out at nearly the same time. Like it was described by all witnesses as kind of this cinematic moment where, um, two people fired at almost the exact same time. Larry Rubeck, who was the 15 year old son of the man who owned the farm had taken mm-hmm. aim at Hollenball and hit him as he approached from the, f- approached the farmhouse. So he was like standing on the front porch and like <laughs> aim down at him. Um, and at the same time, State Trooper Grant H. Mixell, who was one of the state troopers who'd been tracking Hollenball and Peggy, shot mm-hmm. as well. In this movie, I called him no tact because he was very chauvinistic. Yes. Um, so Hollenball was fatally wounded, and it was originally reported that Larry Rubeck had delivered the fatal shot. Like, it was reported in the newspapers the next day that he was the hero responsible for taking down the man. But the official report is that Mixell had fired the fatal shot. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the boy had actually been the one that killed the guy. But if the FBI agent took credit, then there wouldn't have to be another investigation into this boy who was shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Because also wasn't the, didn't the kid have like a shotgun? Yes. And the FBI agent had like a a handgun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
a 12 cage shotgun will fuck you up <laughs> yes um so peggy ann said that the chain that tied her to holland ball because she'd been tied to him the whole time with some kind of chain just Ooh. disappeared at this point she said um she thought for a while that she must have imagined a chain like maybe that right. was her like like trying to conceptualize why she was stuck with this guy, but right. multiple officers confirmed that they had seen an actual physical chain connecting her to Holland ball, but nobody remembers seeing anybody take the chain off her. It was just kind of gone. And she said, uh, I believe to this day that God took that chain and it freed me to start the life that I am able to live today. Oh, she sounds very inspiring. Yes. I would have liked to see this speech to be honest. Yeah. Um, so Peggy Ann was taken to the hospital and checked out by doctors before being reuni- reunited by her family with her family. Um, she was wounded, but she didn't have any serious injuries. Um, and she'd not been sexually assaulted, which this might be the only kidnapping case that I've ever said you those words in. Lord, yes. Um, Good but for you. her feet were badly blistered and infected and she had, and um, she was dehydrated. That poor girl. So two weeks after she was released from the hospital, the um this this is where i'm like this poor girl like i mean all of it i'm like this poor girl but she's been out of the hospital two weeks and the police were like okay so now we're investigating can you take us on the path that he took you in so she had to retrace the entire event with the police so they could investigate it all Uh huh. the look on aaron's face says what the fuck and that's what i felt i would have been like (laughs) Figure it. You're the police. Well, figure it out. You don't need me to do this for you. I would be like, weren't there a thousand people looking for me? Can't y'all all together figure out where I was? Because you all found me at some point. Oh, my Lord. Um, I, They just wanted to take Peggy into Gobbler's Knob. That's what it was. They wanted to laugh with her. <laughs> Can you believe you were held in Gobbler's Knob? <laughs> Jeebus. Um. <laughs> So, um, she also had a police escort to, from, and during school until the school year, school year ended three weeks later. And that was it. They're like, you get 15 days of police. You're okay. (laughs) Did you just pat the screen? (laughs) I did. (laughs) I was patting your head. No, thanks. (laughs) I felt it. You're welcome. What's happening? Peggy Ann has since publicly uh, spoken about her experience uh, more than a few times, actually. Sure. The first time wasn't until 2008, though. So, wow. good long distance. Yeah. Um, she appeared as the featured speaker in the Fulton County Historical Society's Fulton Fall Folk Festival. Say that three times fast. Just sounds like Folsom Prison, right? so. <laughs> um, and the crowd, like, it was a standing room only situation. I mean, it was just packed. Um, she spoke there again in 2012 at the same kind of event. Mm-hmm. And then in 2011, she, um, they erected a marker. In the Wait, s- you went forward and then went backwards. No. Was that intentional? 2008, she 2010. She, she said she spoke there in 2008. Again in 2012 and then oh, in I'm 2011. I'm going to say 2010, not 2012. Okay, okay. okay. Um, and then in 2011, they erected a cemetery in the, I mean, a, a marker at the cemetery Whoa. in Shade Gap to mm-hmm. honor the FBI officer who'd been shot. And oh, so she so nice. came to that um, and spoke briefly uh, in memory of Agent Terry Ray Anderson. 
She was a um, featured speaker at the Fulton County Historical Society Spring Banquet in 2016. That sounds like a good time. Yep. And in that one, she spoke because it was the 50th anniversary of her kidnapping. And then later that year, she spoke at an event that to mark the 50th anniversary of the death of Terry Ray Anderson. Um, in 2017, her autobiography, The Voice in the Mountains, became available on Amazon as a trade paperback. That's the small ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of three books on the... Um, on Amazon that covers this case, but mm-hmm. her book is vastly different from what the other two say. And I'm going to trust her expertise because she was kind of there. Was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just going to end with this, um, with her inspirational quote. Um, she said, I've never had nightmares or trouble sleeping. This was from her, um, the speech at the church in 2018. Mm-hmm. She said, I've never got had counseling. Once God enters your life, you have no reason to fear. Everything will be good for you. And that is the remarkable story of Peggy Ann Bradnick Jackson, who is like the most amazing woman I've ever read about. Yeah. She sounds pretty awesome. Yep. Wow. That's a crazy, I mean, also nobody died. Thank God, except the dogs. I'm still mad. Well, um, and the FBI agent. Well, damn it. <laughs> the plebe. I didn't mean to laugh, but you were like so excited and I just watched I it fall was. off your face. You just, you just ruined my day. Sorry. But finally, nobody died, but he did. Oh, that sucks. This guy sucks. Uh, yes. Do you have a Lifetime movie for me? I do not because I am instead going to tell you that we have to shift one thing in our schedule Okay. We're going to have to drop one movie this month, and I think we're going to drop um, Bringing Ashley Home, because I'm not entirely sure it's a true story. crime story. Okay. No, it's a true story. I just don't know if it's a crime story. Oh, okay. So we're, I'm going to figure that out. We'll put it off. But September 21st is the premiere on Lifetime of the Nexium movie. Okay. So we'll, I, I'm going to watch that Saturday. We'll cover it on the 22nd. Not episode drops the 25th. Sounds good. So we have one next week. Then we have our special week. Then that. And then the last one for September. We'll be in October. Yeah. I we'll be in the spoopy season. I won't even get to watch that movie because I have a performance that night. So you'll have to tell me all about it like. I can't watch it live, which is crazy. Yeah. Oh, also, I just want to double check something with you because I know this is the movie that you wanted to watch and you wanted to swap. October 12th. Do you have anything? No. That is the college admission scandal movie. Yes. Okay. So those will be live. Like, I'll be live tweeting. You'll be live tweeting. We'll be doing the whole thing. Um and then we'll be covering it that same week since it's being released. Absolutely. We want to cover it straight away. Um, I'm super excited about both of them to be on both sides of that story. I cannot wait. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. Like, I'm pretty pumped. Um, real pumped. Um, the, the girl they got to play, Allison Mack, in the Nexium movie looks exactly like Allison Mack to the point that I thought they got her to play herself. I remember you telling me that. And I was like, 
that would be super weird, but no, because she's in jail, you know. Um, I think. Yes, I think so. We'll see. Um, uh, did- I'm also actively googling circus music, so that's fun. <laughs> Have I ever told you about Mary Bell, who was the seven, the eleven year old serial killer? Yeah. Okay. Everybody knows about her. Okay. She's my case of the week where like if they made a, they might have made a Lifetime movie. I can't movie, believe but... there's not a Lifetime movie about that. Except that it happened in England. That's true. Um, this was, there's a list of, and I love this, five true crime stories that are way more interesting than another Ted Bundy movie. And I feel like you and I could have written this list. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> Anything's more interesting than another Ted Bundy movie. All right. Don't at me. Uh, at at Aaron. Don't include me. I just I just want to watch you get chewed out on social media. Absolutely not. Oh. Please don't at us. Ted Bundy sucks. There's something hot about him or cool about him. Like why don't why why do you get me started? Like- <laughs> All right, guys. We love you so much, and. uh The best way you could help us out is by telling your friends about us. Click that share button in your podcast app. Um, Keep us in the top 100. I I love it. It really helps my self-esteem, helps me feel good about myself, gives me a little boost. Yeah. So not to brag, but because of you guys, we were in the top 100 of true crime podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And that's hard to break into. And you guys are amazing. Yeah. We love you. For sure. um, Join us over on the Patreon we're having a good time. I I kind of I kind of want to tease what I'm going to do this week because I want people to subscribe. Do it. Do it. I'm taking a double deep dive into an unsolved mystery that haunts my dreams. Brandon Lawson. Oh, oh! This is also the first time I'm hearing this, guys. Like that's not me faking. I am so excited. Me too. Uh, this case literally i can go down a rabbit hole for days on this case and it just freaking fascinates me so i'm excited and i also think that my ex-boyfriend might have been involved (gasps) oh man you have to pay five dollars to find out what she means by that (laughs) but yes if you are interested and i hope you are please join us over at patreon at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence Yes. You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Mm-hmm. You can email us at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gmail.com, Facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. And you can find our episode notes, which may or may not be updated if I'm being honest. I don't know where I am on that at Lifetime Sentence.com. We did get a drawing this week. So I was so happy. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. It has. But life is finally settling back into normal. First weeks of school are hard. Hey, uh, for, for me too. Like I, uh, my son came home and he was like, I need all this stuff by tomorrow. And I was like, what? Then go make it yourself. Cause I'm trying to buy a yeah. car child. Yeah. Like learn how to walk to the store and <laughs> get a job and buy it yourself. Perfect. Why are you looking at me for <laughs> parenting done right with Aaron? That's right. <laughs> oh God. Oh, that poor child. I really do not mistreat my child. I love him dearly. She <laughs> he does. gets pretty she, much everything he wants. She so. dotes on him. I do. He's very cute and I like him a lot. So I got a good one. All right. Well, y'all have a great night or day or whatever yeah. you listen to us. And don't forget mm-hmm. to eat your vegetables. And charge your phone. Bye.
Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.